All right. How cute was that little baby today? There is no better blessing than the sound of a child in church. Amen? All right, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here this day. I thank you that you have called each of us, that you have created us, and that you have dreamt for each of us a purpose. I pray, Lord, that as your spirit speaks today, that we would have ears to hear and a heart to receive the message that you want us to hear, that you would encourage us, that you would spur us forward, and that you would love us even as we seek to serve you. We love you, God, and we offer you ourselves this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. My goodness, at the first service, I lost one of the pages of my notes. I lost my mind. I was no good, so whew, I think I got it all together for this service. Let's hope so, or else it's not going to make a bit of sense to you. How about that? All right, so over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the acrostic shape, S-H-A-P-E, and learning how God has shaped you and me for ministry, for purpose, and for usefulness in this world. Our conversation partner has been a guy named Eric Rees, who wrote a book detailing the five things that make you you. And here they are behind me. Yes, they are. Uh, they are your spiritual gifts. Those are the gifts that you receive when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Remember, you get the Holy Spirit, and at that time, you get spiritual gifts. Your heart, things that you love to do, things that break your heart and therefore drive you into service. These are part of me, what makes you who you are and what makes you useful in God's kingdom. Your abilities, that's the stuff you're born good at doing. You're just good at it. Your personality, how you interact with people as you move through this world. And today we're going to talk about experiences, the experiences of our lives, both the good and the bad. And we're going to see how they have shaped you and how they have prepared or can prepare you and me for what it is that God has laid before us. So now there, to start, are several kinds of experiences that we can have during the course of our lives. We can have vocational experiences. Those are the things that we learn as we uh, go and carry about the work of our lives. You often hear me stand here and tell stories of things that I've encountered during my work at the hospital, many of which have taught me and have prepared me to help others. So I wonder how many of you have had experiences at work that have taught you a thing or two about life. Anyone? All right. This is an interactive sermon, so warm up those arms because I'm going to have you raising your hand. That's how I make sure that you're staying awake while I talk to you today. All right. We also have family and relational experiences. Those teach us and prepare us as well. You know, the experiences that I had growing up with my mom and my dad, they have a huge part in preparing me to be the person that I am today. I have learned from my parents' integrity. I learned how to be a good parent. I witnessed their marriage relationship and learned how to foster a healthy marriage of my own. My marriage relationship, all of the things that Carl and I have walked through and have experienced together have had a part in preparing me for the ministry that God has laid before Carl and I to do together. And so raise your hand if someone in your life, through your relational experiences, has taught you something about how to be. Anybody? You know it. You know it. Our educational experiences. Those are what we learn as we study. 
right? As we navigate our way through the world, we are being continually, through what we experience, continually prepared for what lies ahead. So listen, raise your hand if you've ever been a less taught a lesson in the school of life. Oh, those are tough. All right, our spiritual experiences, um, that's what draws us closer to God. That's what reminds us who God is and that God is the one who goes with us as we go out and seek to minister and serve. So I wonder how many of us, when we've been scared or upset or worried, have just literally felt the presence of God, the Spirit of God over you and been comforted and been carried through. Those are the experiences that we have that help shape us. They remind us of God's love for us. They grow us. And so raise your hand if you've ever had an experience that you know that God loved you. Yeah. All right. I'm praying every one of us had then. And then there's the biggie. There's the painful experiences of our lives. Um, no one likes to talk about the painful experiences. None of us like really to have or to go through the painful experiences. But if we're being honest, those are the things that God uses the most in order to grow us and teach us and prepare us for ministry in God's kingdom. I don't know. Somehow we just grow the best during the painful times of our lives. I don't know if it's because we're more receptive to God um, in those times, uh, I don't know what it is, but somehow it seems that when we hurt, in turn we grow. We grow. So uh, many of you have heard me stand here and tell you that one of my life verses, truly one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Romans 8, 28. You know why? Romans 8, 28 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I'm going to tell you because those words are the words that remind me that no matter what I'm going through, no matter how painful it is, God is with me and God is going to work it out for me. And here's what Romans 8, 28 says. There it is behind me. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now notice that it doesn't say we hope, we hope that God's going to make this all work out. It doesn't say like, you know, we feel like God's going to do it or we can be pretty sure that, you know, even though this hurts, God's going to do something with it. No, it says we know, we know, we know that God will work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. How do we know? We know because God's got a history. God has a history of taking the hurts in people's lives and working them for the good. Think about what you know of our Bible. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. And yet God worked all of that stuff that happened to him for the good of him and of you and me. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. He was imprisoned. And yet God worked all of that for the good. Our Lord Jesus was persecuted. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross and killed. And y'all know what God did with that. And it is good. Over and over in the Bible, we see the faithfulness of God in the midst of the hurts of God's people. God did it so often in the scriptures. But guess what? God does the same thing so often, even in our own lives today. So we don't have to be pretty sure when things are difficult for us, that God's going to do something with it. We don't have to guess so that God, I guess God's going to do. No. You and I can know 
we can know that no matter what we're going through, God will work it for the good. Now, it might take a minute for us to see the good that's coming of our painful circumstances and our difficult experiences, but we will see them because God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you know what that says? Uh, you know what? Let me point out one more thing. It doesn't say God just works in the easy times. It doesn't say God just works in the good things, right? What does it say? God works what? All things. All things. God works the good. God works the bad. God works the difficult. God works the painful for the good of those who love him. Do you know what that tells me? It tells me that God doesn't waste the hurts. God doesn't waste the hurts. And so, is that time that you spent helplessly watching your loved ones slip away from this life? God doesn't waste that. The time you thought that you weren't going to be able to pay your bills and you didn't know what you were going to do, God doesn't waste that. How about the time that your kids made bad choices and there was nothing you could do but watch them make bad choices? God doesn't waste the hurts. All the times you struggled to say no to the things that you know you're supposed to say no to in this world, and guess what? All the times that you failed to say no and you did it anyway, and you felt like a failure, and you felt like you were weak, God won't waste it because God doesn't waste the hurts. Your illness, your marital problems, that betrayal from someone you cared about, God won't waste it. I know that because God doesn't waste the hurts. My God's got a history of showing me otherwise. And since God doesn't waste the hurts, folks, you and I shouldn't waste them either. In fact, God, he doesn't waste any experiences that you and I have throughout this life. Not the vocational, not the relational, not the educational, not the spiritual, and certainly not the painful. God uses each and every experience that you encounter in order to grow you, in order to equip you, in order to prepare you. Why? Because God's called you. That's why. God has called you to a purpose. And remember, we've been learning over the past five weeks that God hasn't just called you to a purpose. He's called you to your purpose. Your purpose is individual. Your purpose is specific to you. And God uses all of these things, but especially the experiences of your life, to prepare you for your purpose. So what can you and I do in order to help God help us grow through our life's experiences? Three things. The first thing is embrace them. Embrace your experiences. Galatians 3, 4 says this, Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Embrace your experiences. Listen, I am the first person in the world who wants to embrace my spiritual experiences. You know those times when I just feel God and I'm comforted. I know he's right here and I know that he loves me. I want that and I embrace it every time it happens. When I am in a relationship and it's good, Carl and I are locking arms and we're walking arm in arm together through some life difficulty, I embrace that. 
I embrace that. I love learning from my husbands and my kids and my friends. How about you? But, but it isn't so easy, folks, is it, to embrace the difficult stuff. It's not easy to embrace the painful stuff. Who embraces hardship, really? Who embraces difficulty? People who know and trust God, that's who. That's who embraces those things. Right now, I'll tell you, I'm going through a lousy experience in my life. And it has left me hurt and confused and feeling betrayed by people I thought I knew. And it's left me a little uncertain about my future. And yet, what I'm trying to do rather than to have a big pity party for myself is to see what it is that God is trying to teach me through it all. What is God preparing me for as I move forward? And on the other side of this lousy circumstance, this lousy experience that I'm in the middle of. See, I know that God will work it for the good. And I can't really see what the good is right now that's going to come from my difficulty. And yet when I pray, I thank God for the difficulty because I know that he's working in it. And he's growing me. And he's teaching me a thing or two that I need to know. And so I thank him that he's going to use my bad experience somehow and at some time. And so my encouragement to you today is this. If you're going through something difficult, God's there. Don't forget that God is there and God is working and God is teaching and God is growing you and God is preparing you. I promise you just remember who your God is when things are difficult. And if your experiences right now are all good, guess what? I want you to embrace that too because that is a blessing from God. Those times of rest, those times of goodness. Each experience that you have offers you the opportunity to grow into the person that God dreams that you'll be and to be prepared to do the ministry that God dreams you will do. And so embrace your experiences. And then I want you to take a look at your experience and extract the life lessons from them. Extract the lessons. Job 32, 7 says this. The longer you live, the wiser you become. That's from the message. I like how concise that is. The longer you live, the wiser you become. Have you ever met somebody who just keeps making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again? Britney Spears wrote a a song about it back in, what, the 90s? Oops, I did it again, right? They do that because they haven't extracted the lessons from their life experiences. You know, when I worked in drug and alcohol rehab, um, that was the thing that I worked on the most with my people who I called frequent flyers. You know, they would come in and they would spend 42 days with me, and we would give them all sorts of tools to prepare them for what might lie ahead. And yet, somehow, they would get out, many of them, and they would just do the same things that they did before the 42 days that they spent with me. And they would wind up coming back in to see me for another 42 days. And when they would come in the door, I would, you know, I loved my patients. I would say, I'm glad you're here. What are we going to do differently? What are we going to learn from what has just happened? How can we change what you're going to do moving forward based on what you did, what you experienced back there? And so let's not make the same mistakes again. Because the only way to learn how not to make the same mistakes is to extract the lessons from your experiences, right? And this applies to all of our experiences, the good and the bad. You know, it's helpful for you and me, if we're going to learn and we're going to grow, to look for the lessons in all of our past experiences. What went well? Because I'm going to keep doing that. What didn't go so well? Because I need to do something differently. 
Am I exhibiting any patterns of behavior that I need to address? What has worked well in the past, and how can I use that to grow and learn moving forward? These are the lessons that we learn when we look back across our life experiences. Job 32.7 says, the longer you live, the wiser you become. You know why I think Job 32.7 says that? Because when people live long, they've had a lot of experiences upon which they can look back and learn from, right? So extract the, the, the lessons from your experience. I think that wisdom comes from looking back at your past experiences and extracting the lessons and then not only that, but putting them into practice in order to help yourself learn and help yourself grow. And when we do that, folks, we're better. We're wiser than we were before. And we haven't wasted the experience. So embrace your experiences, extract the life lessons from them, and then employ them. Employ them to help others. Philippians 1.12, Paul says this, I want you to know, my friends, that the things that have happened to me have really helped the progress of the gospel. Let me put that in today's language for you. Paul says, I have had some stuff happen to me. And yet, I'm able to use it in order to help you see Jesus. Has there been anything in your life that has happened to you that you can use to help another person see Jesus? Back in the early 2000s, before I was really involved at all in ministry, our youth fellowship from Mount Hope needed an adult leader to go on a mission trip. And so I raised my hand and volunteered to go. I had no experience talking to kids. I had no experience even sharing God with another person. And while I was on that trip, I had a conversation with one of our youth during a devotion. And we talked throughout the week. And this kid told me a number of difficult experiences that he had had in his young life. And he told me that, among other things, he had been driving in his car when he was about 16 years old, and a boy riding his bike darted out in front of him. He couldn't stop, and he hit the boy. And subsequently, that boy died. And this young man said to me, why would God let this thing happen to me? Why would God let that happen? I didn't deserve it, and yet I have to live with it for the rest of my life. How do you answer that? I didn't really have any experience giving that kind of guidance to a child that I knew that God loved so much, and I didn't want to mess it up, you know? And so I just said to him, I, I don't know why that happened to you, but I do know that something good is going to come out of it because God loves you, and God is good. And so maybe you're being prepared to help someone in the future who's going to go through a similar situation. I just don't know. And we prayed about it, and we left it at that. And I'm not going to tell you this guy's name, because I didn't get permission to share his name. Um, but I'm going to tell you that this young man, member of Mount Hope United Methodist Church, and that very conversation that he and I had on that mission trip are a very big part of the reason that I became a youth leader in the first place. And because I became a youth leader, God moved me on to be a pastor. And so, um, so you know who you are if you're listening. And uh, I just want to thank you for sharing your experience with me and for inspiring me like you did because you helped to change my life. Anyway, a few years later, mine wasn't the only life that was changed by this young man. There was a boy who played on the hockey team with him. And uh, he was in his car one day driving, and one of his friends was goofing around 
Um, and all in fun, he jumped up on the hood of the car, and uh, the kid that was driving the car slammed on the brakes, and this kid was thrown off of the hood of the car, and, um, and he died of a closed head injury. And that young driver sank into a horrible depression. His mom would cry to me, and she would say, he won't come out of his room, he won't eat, and I don't know what he's going to do. But my young friend from the mission trip, he heard about his teammate and the struggles. He heard about somebody who was going through that which he himself had gone through. And so my friend knocked on that boy's door and he talked to him in his room for hours. And I don't know what he said, but that hockey player's mom, the next week cried tears to me again, but this time they were tears of joy. And she said, he talked with my son and my son came out of his room and he ate dinner and it's gonna be okay. Folks, that's what it looks like to employ your painful experiences in order to help another person see Jesus. To this day, I'm so proud of that boy. He now is all grown up. And so my prayer is that none of us will ever have such a horrific experience in our lives. But if we do, then my prayer is that you and I will have the courage and the grace to use what we've gone through in order to help another person see Jesus. Now, how do you employ your experiences? I'm going to give you three ways. Use your experiences to minister to other people. 2 Corinthians 1, 6 says, even when we're weighed down with troubles, it's for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. You know, all my young friends did was to sit down and talk with a person who was in need and share his experience and let that boy know that he understood what he was going through and it changed a life. And it doesn't stop there. Who better to help someone who is grieving than a person who themselves has experienced loss and grief? Andrea Fulginetti and Bev Goral have done exactly that through our grief share ministry and lives are being changed and people are seeing Jesus. I have a friend, his name is Bob. In his life, he receives two kidney transplants, both from family members. Bob spends all of his spare time counseling and encouraging those who are in need of and undergoing kidney transplants. He understands what they're feeling because he has himself experienced it. And so who better in the world to bring them comfort and help them see Jesus then Bob, you and I can use our experiences, both the good and the bad, to minister to people who are in need. Share your learning. Tell them how you've experienced God in your own life as you pass through the difficult times and help point them toward God. It's part of your calling. Second thing you can do is to use your experiences to motivate others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and help one another. Folks, nothing speaks louder than the voice of experience. I'm going to tell you, I had a heck of a time with my daughter when she was a teenager. She is the loveliest woman today, and I could not be more proud of her. But when she was a teenager, boy, she gave, she's the author of every gray hair that is on this head. I'll have you know. And I've made her responsible to fix it for the rest of her life. And I'm not paying for it either. She's going to free hair dye jobs for the rest of my life. That's what, that's what I'm coming to collect, folks. But today, I love nothing more than to encourage a mom who is struggling with her own teenager. 
you can do it, I say. And I tell them, you know, you're going to come out on the other side. I promise. I'm living proof. I've experienced it myself. And guess what? You're going to love your daughter again. It'll come back. You'll, you're going you're gonna to make it through this. And I love to encourage them. But folks, there are a lot of ways that you and I can serve God in this world by using your own experience to motivate other people. People who are in recovery, you can share your experience with someone who is still trying to learn how to abstain. There is a ministry that I would love, 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 love to bring here to Mount Hope United Methodist Church. It is called Celebrate Recovery. It is a 12-step Christ-centered program for addiction. And not just addiction to drugs and alcohol, but addiction to food, addiction to relationships, addiction to gambling, addiction to unhealthy eating, to shopping, whatever it is that causes you to struggle. Celebrate Recovery has the tools to help. And we need someone in this church to head that up. And so I wonder, is the Holy Spirit speaking to anyone about that? Because if you're feeling moved to explore using your experience in order to help others, I'm going to ask you to please see me or see Pastor Johnson or Pastor Joanne. But even outside of formal programs in the church, you and I are still called by God to use what it is that we've learned through our life experiences to encourage and to motivate one another. Tell people whenever you get the chance what it is that you've been through and how it is that you made it through. Let them know how you've grown and where you've seen God at work in your life. Because guess what? Then you'll help them see where God will work in their lives. The third thing is use them to mentor others. Use your experiences to mentor others. John, 1 John 1, 3 says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with God and his son, Jesus Christ. You know, everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a mentor. Someone with experience who can show us the way to go. I have always said, and this is why I do youth ministry, that every kid going through life, it's so difficult, needs a strong Christian adult in their life that's not their parents because teenagers think their parents are stupid. They need a strong adult Christian influence in their lives who can help them and encourage them. And how they help them and encourage them is that they share their life experiences with them. I'm going to tell you that for both of my sons, that mentor was Mark Bucci. Mark used what he learned all throughout his own life and what he learned about Jesus to help my boys understand about Jesus in their lives. And when each of my boys went through difficult times, Mark was able to call upon his own life experiences to help him through. My daughter, mentored by Lynn Biggis, who understood what Melissa was going through because just a few years prior, she dealt with all those same issues with Jenna when she was a teenager. I will be forever grateful to those two beautiful ministers who poured into my children, mentored them, and shared their experiences. Kids need mentors, but guess what? Even we as adults need mentors. And so I ask, how can you mentor another adult? You can lead a small group. You can teach a Bible study. You can teach Sunday school. Just get out there and find a way to share what God has used in your life to prepare you. And when you do, guess what? That's when you begin to fulfill your God-given purpose, your individual God-given purpose. Mount Hope United Methodist Church, God has spent a whole lifetime shaping you for service. 
through your spiritual abilities, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. My challenge to each and every one of us is that you and I would spend our whole lifetime finding it and fulfilling that God-given purpose. Lord, let it be so.